This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Well, hello, everyone. (laughs) My name is Phil Gunger, one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, my father, our senior pastor, um, saw me preach last week, thought I did such a wonderful job that he asked if he could take another weekend off. <laughs> I said, you betcha. So anyway, glad to be here. Why don't you guys all stand up? And we're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this is the time in our service. Uh, We're actually going to get ready to take our tithes and offerings. Um, Now, of course, to stay safe, you know, we're not passing around the the COVID buckets, (laughs) offering buckets. Uh, and plus, too, we still have a lot of our congregation still joining us online. Uh, we are meeting in Stevens Point. Hi, guys. And then our uh, Fox Valley guys uh, are also kind of, they get together in some little groups here and there. They're getting close, though, to getting that building uh, and meeting. So, yeah, we're excited about that. Um, so, all right. So, uh, kind of the ways that we have to give. Of course, if you're online, if you're watching online, it's easy. You can click. There's a little give button there. You can go to our website, celebrationchurch.tv and click on give. And then if you're here this morning and you want to give digitally and you haven't set up recurring giving, which I encourage you guys to do, we appreciate that. Uh, but you can just do a text to give. You just text, where are my kids? Can you guys, they know the number. I was laughing about this last week. They're always making fun of it. 77977, which has helped me because I always forget it and they know it very well. But anyway, you text to the number 77977 and you do a CCWI, um, right? And then give. And then you put the dollar amount. You don't type in give. It will get confused at you. But you can give uh, that way as well. And we do appreciate you guys for being faithful through this time. I know everything's a little different. And there's, I know a lot of you guys who still mail in your checks. It's just kind of a part of your, you know, your worship and giving. You like to write that thing out. So we we appreciate uh, you guys being faithful with the church. Thank you very much. All right. So, yeah, like I said, I got the... (laughs) Got the call this week. Of course, my dad, man, did such a great job, did a great job. Hey, well, could I be gone again? <laughs> I think he buttered me up. So I don't know if he really thought that, but we'll find out the truth 
uh, here today, but I, I enjoy it. I love it. I'm honored any chance I get to be able to share with you guys. So cool. Uh, the message I have for you today, it's called The Secret of Being Clutch in Life. If you don't know what the term clutch is, that's a sports term I'm using there. You guys know what clutch is, being clutch in sports, you know, where uh, uh, it's this phenomenon of athletes where they're under pressure or maybe they're, you know, in a tough situation, it's usually last in the last minutes of a game, and they find a way to summon the strength, concentration, and whatever else necessary to succeed and to perform well, and perhaps change the outcome of the game. You know, it's when in those stressful situations you think there's no hope and somehow they walk out there with confidence. You know, just ask any Bears fan in here that's had to play against Aaron Rodgers. You guys know what I mean. It's late in the game, you're up, but then Aaron Rodgers gets the ball one more time. And you start getting stressed, don't you? Because you've done everything you're supposed to do, but the dude is clutch, <laughs> right? And you never know. Or you guys remember the, uh, that game against the Lions? I don't know if we have any Lions fans in here. They've probably marked this one out of their memory. Game was over. No time left on the clock. Literally going to need a miracle, or as they call it in football, a Hail Mary. And the dude pulls it off. Of course, they would argue, say, yeah, well, the refs helped you out. Well, whatever it is, he still completed and did what he needed to. I mean, it was pretty amazing. And wouldn't it be nice to be able to be like that in life when things get stressful, when it seems like there's no chance to win, you can walk out there with confidence because you know you're clutch. But how do you get that? Well, in sports, they, they refer to this as uh, the four C's. I've seen five or three, but they've, uh, I'm going to use three because it works better for my message that way. And, and they've got these three things, confidence, control, and commitment. And sports psychologists have found that those people that can seem to be clutch in those situations have these traits. You know, they have this confidence. They play without fear of mistakes. They display it through their thoughts, their words. We got this, guys. We got We can still do it. They feel a sense of control. Now, they can't control everything, but they can control what they do. And they can manage their thoughts and their emotions, and they have the ability to react positively in stressful situations. And they have concentration. They're able to focus and the ability to block out all those other distractions. They've got the commitment, the effort, persistence, resilience. And those are some of the things that you'll also find that you need to handle stress just in your own life. You can say, well, I don't have those things. Well, that's okay. You can get those things through trusting in Jesus. Now, I don't know how you guys handle stress, but you, you know how it is when you're in a stressful situation. You just don't act normal, right? Like, do we have any nervous flyers in here? Yeah. Anyone watching online, little nervous flyers? You know who I'm talking about. You're the people that upon boarding, you begin inspecting every inch of the plane. You're immediately making notes and comments about the airworthiness of the aircraft as though you were the one that designed and engineered it yourself. Every noise that you don't recognize causes you just to tense up. And you're just sitting there. You haven't even left the gate. Right? Every noise, you're just, you know, your, your cheeks clench. I mean, the truth is, you've done like a 30-minute buns of steel workout before you've ever left the gate. Right? It's just... <laughs> And then the plane begins to hurtle down the runway and it takes off. And that is when you're the closest with God, the Lord. You have got prayers coming out of you that would rival most Pentecostal preachers. Right? You're just pleading the blood of Jesus over this thing and then it lifts up. Hallelujah! 
and you make it. While the person next to you is just asleep. But that's okay. My wife and I are like that. She loves to travel, loves to travel, hates to fly. Unfortunately, you have to fly with me when you're traveling with me. And she will, she'll get on and she's nervous. She's, you know, I have no problem flying. I grew up flying. You know, my, those of you who don't know, my dad is a pilot and I used to go with him when he was still training and I would sit in the back seat. You know, they used to do a thing called, uh, uh, you're supposed to do these things called touch and goes. You know, you kind of bring the plane in, you land it, and then you take off again. You do it over and over, get to practice simulating your takeoff and landings. And he began to call them slam and goes. <laughs> there wasn't as much touch involved as there was, I kind of bounce off that thing. Really helps the takeoff if you can really bounce off the runway. And so for me, and, you know, and I realized, oh, that the plane isn't going to just die that easily. You start getting used to turbulence and things like that. So for me, jumping on the plane, I mean, I'm asleep, right? I'm asleep before we push off from the gate. I'm usually awoken at some point on takeoff because my hand is being squeezed. And I don't know what's going on. Like, you know, there's flashbacks. Like last time she squeezed my hand that hard was when she was in labor. You know, I wake up, breathe, honey. You know, just take it off because she doesn't like it. She doesn't like the bumps. How many don't like the turbulence? Turbulence makes us nervous. And why do you get nervous? Because you don't know what it is. Now, think of it like driving down the road. If you're driving down a road completely smooth, nothing on the road, and all of a sudden your car starts to stutter and shake, you think something's wrong with the car, right? And that's what you equate that to in the plane. It starts to shake, you think something's wrong with the plane. No, there's just, they're called sky bumps, air bumps, turbulence. It's a violent or unsteady movement of air. (laughs) Sometimes a little more violent than unsteady. How many think that you've gone through times of life where you've hit some turbulence? For example, the year 2020. <laughs> I think there have been some violent or unsteady movements <laughs> happening all around us. And when that happens, we tend to freak out. You think, why? Because we don't always have perspective of what's going on. I mean, how many here can say that are watching or Stephen's point, you, you can say, you know what? This is my first plague. I'll be honest. Yeah? No, am I the only one? Just kidding. We haven't gone through pandemics and plagues, but what are we supposed to do? We don't know what to do. So things change. We don't know what's going to happen. You know? So, you know, you see all the jokes and the memes going around. People joking about the worst investment they made all year was in their, their, their planner, their 2020 planner. <laughs> Just throw that thing out the window. So, okay, when things are going crazy, how do we respond to that? Because we don't always respond how we're supposed to. Which, by the way, it makes me think of, I didn't get permission to tell this story, so I'll have to make up their name because it's not my story. I have a friend called Lucy. <laughs> and speaking of stressful situations, I didn't put this in my notes, we'll just go with it. It's a funny story. Uh, forgive me if I tell it wrong, but it'll still be funny. So her family, they're vacationing uh, in Tennessee or somewhere, and they're going to get in these little chairlifts and take like this scenic, you know, ride through the mountains. Now, when you first get on the chairlift, the chairlift's not that far off the ground. So if you're someone afraid of heights, you think, oh, not too bad. So she gets on there. She gets on with a couple of her kids and they start taking off. And then at some point, the chairlift keeps going up and the ground keeps going down. And all of a sudden, she's floating through the mountains. She does not like heights. She has a panic attack. 
and I mean an actual panic attack. She drops down, she's holding onto that thing, and she thinks she's having a heart attack. She's like telling her daughter, I think I'm having a heart attack, I'm having a heart attack, freaking out. Up in the sky, in a chairlift. Where are we gonna go? Thankfully, her daughter was much calm. Mom, it's okay, it's okay. She's praying over. And then what's hilarious, she's freaking out. She thinks, I don't know what's happening. I'm gonna have a heart attack. They're gonna have to come and get me, right? Because you're freaking out. You think, I gotta get out of this situation. I gotta get out of this situation. Well, halfway up, thankfully halfway up, there's a, little, there's a guy there. There's an attendant. Okay, she gets up to the attendant. She goes, I gotta get off this thing. I gotta get off this thing. I'm panicking. He's like, yep, no problem. You're halfway there. <laughs> Well, why wasn't that guy freaking out? That's his job. He does this all the time. You want to know how many people probably have react that exact same way? <laughs> she got there. She was fine. She can laugh about it now. It wasn't so funny in the time. But we do that in life. Things go on. Stressful situations happen. We freak out. We think, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. And then you pray and you don't know why God and other people aren't freaking out. They're like, don't worry, you're almost there. Keep going. Well, how can they do it? Because they've got a different perspective than you. Well, how do I get this? How do I get this ability to, to have that confidence, be clutch in those moments? Well, let's take a look at the book of Philippians because this was a letter Paul wrote and he wrote it from, I don't know if he's in prison or house arrest or whatever, but he knows he's in chains uh, and he's in Rome. And this wasn't a great time for him. He was concerned for his life. Because at any moment, he could be sentenced to death. Any day. He doesn't know, is today going to be the day? I don't know. He's also concerned for the gospel. Because it was committed to his life to spread the gospel. And he wants to keep spreading the gospel. He's concerned because there's false teachers are coming in and filling the void in his absence while he's in chains. He's concerned about the church in Philippi as he'd heard that there was conflict and dissension. The guy's not in a great place, and yet he writes this letter where he's exuding this confidence, this committed, in certain aspects of his life, he's definitely in control because he trusts in Jesus Christ. So let's take a look here in Philippians uh, chapter one, verse 19. <clears throat> you know what's funny is I had a dream last night that I couldn't talk. I'd lost my voice. And I woke up thinking, first thing I do goes, ha, la, make sure I could, gosh, that would be the worst. It'd be the worst because I was thinking of poor Becky who would literally have to come up with a sermon on the spot. <laughs> that, would, that would definitely be clutch. That would be a moment to see how clutch she is. All right, so Philippians 1.19, he writes this. He says, for I know that through your prayers, he's writing to the church in Philippi here, I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, is he confident that he's gonna get released from prison? He just knows that. No, he doesn't know that. However, you know, when, when you kind of read through some of the little footnotes in there, uh, the word for deliverance, uh, it's written in Greek there. It's the same word for salvation, also means vindication. You know, so he's got this confidence because he believes that God's gonna vindicate, God's gonna save him, even if he dies. His confidence is further explained in the next verse. He writes this, he says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Again, all throughout this letter, Paul is confident 
not in himself, but in God using him for his glory. And he knows it even in death. You know, most of us, if you think in life, you're alive, you're winning, you die, you lose. Like a video game, right? Play these video games with my kids we're trying to kill zombies or something like that. If I stay alive, I win. If the zombie gets me and dies, I lose. But when you're a Christian and you understand the gospel and what Jesus did, he came and he changed the rules. When you die, you win. When you die, it's like hitting the biggest lottery of all. And you can have that confidence in life. You know, again, thinking in perspective. Now, in verse 12, he says, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's got this confidence. In verse six, he's confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in Jesus Christ. Paul's confidence is in God and he realizes that he doesn't have to win all the battles but merely keep the faith and live with courage. And faith changes a lot about things that stress us out because we don't have to be confident that we can always beat a sickness to face it with confident hope. We don't have to know how our kids are gonna turn out to be confident in how we deal with them and what we're supposed to teach them. We don't have to be confident and know for sure that when we're choosing to be ethical and do the right thing in our business that it's gonna pay off. But we can be confident that it's the right thing to do. You know, because will things always turn out like we hope? No. You know, the, the old saying sometimes, you know, cheaters never win. Well, they kind of do, that's why it's cheating. <laughs> At least for a while, right? And life can be unfair. Even as Christians, we go through tough things. We can get sick and we can die. You know, being a Christian doesn't mean you get a pass from all the hard stuff in life. But I think some people think that. So whenever we go through stressful times, things tough, we think, well, God's not here. You know, as a follower of Christ, it means you, you follow him. You be, live like he lived. Did Jesus ever have any bad days? Was he ever put in any stressful situations? Was he ever viewed and judged unfairly? Did he ever have relationship problems? He wasn't married now, but he had a real good friend. What was that guy's name? Oh yeah, Judas. Who betrays him? You know, so when you're going through those things, I mean, obviously, yeah, we want to pray. God, help how we go through this. And if you're sick, pray for healing. And I believe absolutely God can heal and deliver you from any circumstance. But that doesn't always mean you don't have to still go through it. And again, it gives you kind of some perspective when you're going through those turbulent things. So a little turbulence in your life hits you, you're not going, oh my gosh, I'm gonna die! It's okay, we're just pushing off from the gate. <laughs> and sometimes that happens in our lives. You know, Paul, again, he understands that even in the end, even in death, he knows he can still win. Even in the end, we will win if we live with courage and hope. Now, trusting Christ also allows us to control our choices. How many are control freaks out there? Admittedly, I am. 
There's some things in life I just want to control. Or how many of you are the, the backseat drivers? You, anyone married to a backseat driver? I'm not, but uh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to get smacked. We got one here in the uh, congregation here in Green Bay, and he's getting smacked right now because his hand went up real fast. But you know what I'm talking about, you, you, you backseat drivers. Because right, you're going on, you want to be in control. You're always like, slow down, watch out there. I don't know if you see a pedestrian over there, but just make sure you're aware of them. Right, you're over there, you're pumping that brake that's not there. Because you want to be in control. And we're like that in all of us in our lives. There's certain aspects we like to control and sometimes we can't. You know, I mean, here Paul is, he's in prison. He doesn't seem to have a lot of control over his life. At the same time, though, he was convinced that he could make choices. In verse 19 here, actually just kind of picking up part of 18 into 19, he says, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but have sufficient courage So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For me to live is Christ and die is gain. If I am to go on living in my body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. It's funny that he says, what will I choose, since he doesn't really seem to have much the choice of what's going to happen to him at the time. It's not like they're coming to him and say, Paul, do you want to die? (laughs) I get a say in the matter? No. He was in the hands of other people. But his attitude was, however, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. He can choose to live with courage and hope because no one can take away those choices. We can't control everything in our lives, all right? We can't control our spouse, even though some of you might try. (laughs) We can't control everything our kids do. We can't control the people we work with or those crazy drivers out in the road. (laughs) Just want to drive us crazy. We can't control the economy. We cannot control the politicians. You can vote them, but you can't control what they do. You can't control what goes on in politics. You can't control the weather. You can't control pandemics. Or even the chemical imbalances that just make you more prone to getting stressed and dealing with depression. You can't control the past. But what is Paul's secret for stress that comes from not being in control? Give it up. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and die, and to die is gain. He doesn't get to choose whether he lives or die, and maybe sometimes that's a good thing, but he does get to choose to lean into God's plan for him in life or in death. So now, no matter how hopeless we feel, we still have choices. Paul says to the church in verse 27, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And there's a lot of us that we need to say that as a reminder to us. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. What if my spouse is driving me crazy? Well, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of gospel of Christ. What about those people I work with and I wanna just strangle them all? Well, no matter what happens, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You get the, I don't have to keep on going, do I? Because whatever happens, we can choose to take care of ourselves. We can choose to trust God. We can choose to read. We can choose to pray. 
We can choose not to sink to the level of those around us, to be proactive and positive and make the best of every situation. We can choose to do what is right. As much as we can, we can live at peace. We can bring light into the darkness and bring glory to Christ. And trusting Christ makes us strong in our commitments. You know, stress increases when people aren't 100% committed to something. You know, a student who only puts forth 70% effort in class is gonna get stressed out when all of a sudden the quiz comes around. I know I was that kid. 70% would have been a winning percentage for me. <laughs> people who aren't tentative, you know, or they get tentative about their marriage commitment, and I don't know, I don't know what's going on. They have more stress than others. You need to be 100% bought in. You know, which, too, when you think about it in, 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 com- in commitment, times of commitment, you know, the same is true in your faith. You know, there's some who are, I mean, 100% committed, I'm in this thing. There's some people who are, yeah, I'm kind of committed, but not really. You know, they're the ones that run into and they say, hey, I go to your church, yeah. Then they say, yeah, do you still have such and such going on? Something we haven't done in years. (laughs) No? When's the last time you've been there? Well, I mean, (laughs) you know. Because they're not 100% bought in. And I encourage them, hey, come on out. It's easy. All you have to do is show up. We don't require anything of you through the doors. But you've got to be 100% committed. Because, you know, when you look back, there's probably in your times in your life where you know you were maybe fully committed to Christ. There's probably some in here. And, like, anyone ever go on a missions trip and do something? And when you go on a missions trip, man, you have to be bought in. Especially if you go to one in the middle of nowhere. You've got nowhere to go. What am I going to do? You have to be bought in. And what's weird is even though that can be a stressful situation, the fact that you're 100% bought into that thing and you're getting and you're committed, you, re- you reap such a reward. Ask anyone who's gone out in the missions field, anyone who's shared their faith with someone before. And it, man, it, it gives you a little bit of a buzz. It really messes with you. But you gotta have, be 100% sold in. You know, what you need to be able to handle the stress in your life is you need to be able to have the confidence and you need to be able to know that you're gonna be okay and that your efforts will be worth it in the end. With Christ, we know all things work together for our good. In the end, we share his victory. What about control? Are you struggling with control? Because we can't control our circumstances, but we can control how we act. And how are you doing with commitment? Are you committed? Which, by the way, I've got this stand. This was not in my notes as well. But this has kind of been just kind of on my heart a little bit. You know, through all the, the craziness that we're going through, it's difficult for the church to meet together, uh, especially in some places you can't meet at all. We went through that at a time, you know, here in Wisconsin where we, you know, we couldn't meet at all. And, and it was okay, you know, um, it's because it was just for a period of time, but I think, you know, there's a, some people who can almost take this opportunity to sort of disengage from the church. 
You know, we, we gotta remember the importance of still being able to meet together. Now you might say, yeah, but I, you know, we're practicing social distancing, we, we don't wanna come into a large group. I didn't say you have to come into a large group. But are you still getting together with, with anyone? Are you still connecting with any people in the church? You know, I think I love technology and I love the fact that we can stream these services and I know most of the people joining us today are joining us digitally. I think that's awesome. And we're, I love the fact that we do that. But don't think that just watching that feed and I don't have to do anything else is, is doing church. You know, there's so many times in the Bible it talks about this happened together. They did this together. They did that together. We're even encouraged to not give up meeting together. And I think it's easy to do. I think it's, uh, I, I could see some people almost, you know, it's kind of like, you know how you have Facebook friends? They're not really friends, <laughs> right? I've got like a thousand Facebook friends. I'm not friends with all of those people. The people you're really friends with are the people you get together with that you do life with, right? And the church is supposed to be like that. So I get you may not feel comfortable wherever you're at coming in or connecting, or maybe you're on digitally and you're not sure how to connect. Listen, and, and this is something for us as, as ministers we're trying to figure out. We sit in meetings like there's some people, how do we help people online get in and connect with community? My encouragement is just make sure you stay committed. And because and, and, I, th I think there'll be some people who just kind of disengage from the church and well I guess I don't need to go I don't need to be connected around people and I just kind of do church here by myself watch a couple sermons here and there and then I'm good I'll tell you you're missing out you want to be able to be clutch in life you want to be able to handle stressful situations do that stuff listen you need people around you to encourage you to help calm you down when you're on the chairlift freaking out when you're going through something in your life and you don't know what to do, you, you're gonna need people around you and people who trust in God who can help you keep the right focus in the situation. So I just need a little encouragement in there to make sure you stay committed to with your church and with Christ. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for your mercies and your blessings in our lives. I thank you, God, that you've loved us so much that you give us grace to be, able, to be able to handle stressful situations in life. God, I know that it doesn't mean that we don't necessarily get to avoid all the stressful situations, although I do pray you help us to avoid as many as possible. <laughs> but no matter what we're going through, God, I pray that you show up for people here. God, there's people who are struggling with relational things, who have been hit hard financially, struggling with things in their family, things at work, just things personally. We don't know what to do and it's stressful and it freaks us out. But God, I know that you're faithful. I know that through you, through trusting in you, that you will give confidence to those who need confidence. That you've given us the control to choose and to do the right things even when it's tough and that you can help us to stay committed to what it is that we're doing, and that we can stay committed with you. And Lord, I thank you for all of this. We pray this in your name. Amen.